The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome everybody. This is Squawk Box. Here are your headlines. Uh, Provisions eating into profit at HSBC. First half earnings miss forecasts falling 65% as the bank sets aside more capital and warns of ongoing risks for the year ahead. Socgen reports a 1.2 billion euro loss in the second quarter as the French bank takes an impairment charge on its global markets business. We're going to speak to the CEO, Frédéric Uder, about those numbers. President Trump reportedly gives ByteDance 45 days to sell TikTok to Microsoft after the White House threatens to ban the short video app over security concerns. Meantime to Siemens and uh, M&A back on the table for Siemens as it puts money on the table for US healthcare company Varian, the latest on that crossing this hour. Splashdown. As you can see on your screen, we have visual confirmation for Splashdown. And an historic moment for space travelers. NASA astronauts successfully returned from their mission to take the Crew Dragon to the International Space Station in the first mission from U.S. soil in almost a decade. So, uh, very good morning, everybody. Uh, Thanks for joining us for the Fresh Trading Week. Let's go straight into the SOCGEN numbers here. Uh, Challenging set of figures here. Second quarter revenue down 15.7% in the second quarter to 5.3 billion euros. The uh, group says uh, the uh, uh, second quarter uh, cost of risk in at 1.28% billion euros. The group then reporting a net loss of 1.26 billion euros. V's a billion euro positive net income a year ago. So the second quarter underlying net income in at a very skinny 8 million euros. Uh, Sockgen says uh, uh, common equity tier one ratio expected to be at the high end of 11.5 to 12% range uh, for the second quarter. Sockgen says it uh, is going to reduce the risk profile of the structured products business uh, and that is leading to a revenue impact of between 200 to 250 million euros. Uh, it is planning further cost reductions in its global markets business of 450 million euros by 22-23. It says a uh, review of the financial trajectory in inverted commas of its global markets and investors services unit, which includes fixed income, and equity trading led to the uh, impairment of related goodwill for 684 million euros and deferred tax assets for 650 million euros. So the group is writing down then the value of the trading business and lifting provisions for loans that could turn sour because of COVID-19. We're going to talk some more about these earnings with the head of the business. 730 CET, the CEO, Frederick Udea, 
will join us. That is a first on CNBC interview. We also had this morning HSBC numbers. The first half profit at HSBC falling 65%. That decline more than expected. Europe's largest bank by assets posting $4.3 billion in profit during the period compared to $12.5 billion last year. The bank saw a sharp increase in loan provisions, mainly due to the impact of the pandemic, unrest in Hong Kong and geopolitical tensions, also compounding the challenges faced by the bank over the previous period. Karen, good morning and welcome back. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, nice to see you again. Just raking through some Heineken numbers. We had a pre-release a couple of weeks back when the company warned us it wrote down the value of its assets. So the numbers crossing very much in line with that update. But let me just run you through them. We've seen a big drop in net revenue, organic growth, uh, minus 16.4%. Net uh, revenue uh, per hectolitre, that is minus 3.6%. Beer volume, that's also down double digit, minus 11.5%. And uh, the operating profit, uh, organic growth, at minus 52.5%. That's a huge number, isn't it? Minus 52.5%. Net profit has crossed at 227 million. That is a slump of 75.8% organically. And uh, the numbers are very much impacted by what the company warned a couple of weeks back. The European trade channel with restaurants and bars being impacted by restrictions. And of course, a, a drop away in demand that has very much impacted this business that is heavily positioned towards that on-trade European business. So it has uh, mentioned that flagged it up in the results. Also going on to say it's 2020 outlook product and channel mix is expected to continue to be adversely impacted by the results, especially in Europe, as that on-trade continues to have some impact. So a disproportionate hit because of COVID-19 closing down a number of restaurants and pubs over the last couple of months. And of course, the reopening has been very slow, Jeff. How was the holiday? Good? On, on balance, uh, with the rest of the country trying to figure out whether it should go abroad, what did you think, Karen? Was it, was it worth the effort? Uh, Jeff, I think I captured a window. It feels as though the infection rate is spiking again. And with due cause, I mean, we were having conversations for weeks and months on CNBC about how the airlines prepare for the travel season, getting people back flying again with some form of safety. The middle seat being vacant, that, that hasn't happened. You sit right next to someone from another family group, so there's no distancing on the plane. The only difference is that a mask is being worn by all the passengers and all, all the crew, and you get some hand gel distributed to you. Uh, you know, in the airline I flew with, that had previously relied on using uh, purchases of meals that changed the model, whereas now they hand out packets of snacks so that there, there's no uh, more transactions taking place on the aircraft. So in that experience and, and arriving in uh, customs and various immigration queues, there was no social distancing really, a couple of meter signs that were put up that most people just completely disrespected. So I think for anyone concerned, they would not be traveling or should not be traveling right now. In terms of the, the uh, hotels themselves, a lot of mask wearing, I was in France, mask wearing going in and out of lifts and hotel receptions and on arrival into restaurants but it was a lot of you know take your chance if you're concerned about catching the virus you probably didn't feel very protected so Jeff I, I don't think it was necessarily worth the uh, the threat for some people for others wanting to escape very much worth the opportunity to get some sun.
Wow. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. That's a first-hand report on just what it's like trying to get abroad at the moment from the UK. Karen, we will see you a bit later on. Thank you very much. It seems like you, you could do with a little bit of a break here to recover from the holiday. Uh, we're going to speak to the CEO, Dolph van den Brink. That's 8.30 CT. We'll dig into the Heineken numbers and we'll find out exactly how they are recovering from the lockdown if at all at this point. Now, President Trump has reportedly given China's bike dance just 45 days to sell TikTok's U.S. operations to Microsoft. That's as the U.S. software giant confirmed talks between the White House and the CEO, Satya Nadella, after the president threatened to ban the short video app in America. Let's get Sam into the conversation. Um, Sam, I guess there's a, just a fundamental question here. How exactly does TikTok threaten U.S. national security? Well, that's the big question, uh, Jeff, and that is certainly uh, what uh, Chinese state media has been asking. Uh, you know, it uh, actually called the uh, ByteDance a victim uh, of a witch hunt and said the U.S. hadn't actually uh, proven uh, that TikTok uh, does pose a national security threat. But that is certainly something that uh, Mnuchin uh, confirmed last week that uh, it was under review. But, uh, you know, I mean, this comes despite all this controversy uh, about uh, TikTok and also uh, suggestions that these negotiations were on hold after U.S. President. Uh, Donald Trump actually dismissed any potential deal. And uh, as you mentioned, he threatened to ban uh, the app on national security grounds. But uh, still, Microsoft uh, says it will continue talks on potentially snapping up a TikTok in the US after actually speaking to President Donald Trump and said that it hopes to finalize a deal with the parent Chinese company ByteDance by September the 15th. So Trump sort of appearing here to maybe perhaps change his tune after several Republican senators actually backed the idea. So it will be very interesting to see, you know, what a final deal may actually look like, um, not just for the two companies and certainly for investors, but just how it plans to address some of these national security concerns and what it will actually take to convince Donald Trump. Of course, TikTok, which boasts over uh, 100 million users in the United States, has come under fire in Washington over uh, claims that, uh, you know, its users' data in America could end up in the hands of the Chinese government. And actually, Microsoft has has said um, that it would ensure that all private data of TikTok's American users is transferred to and remains in the United States. So it'll be very interesting to see what will be addressed sort of retroactively uh, as well. But at the same time, US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has also said that Trump has vowed to take action against Chinese software companies uh, that are said to be feeding data to the Chinese government. Uh, uh, so really signaling that the US is perhaps looking at a much wider crackdown on Chinese tech companies far beyond just TikTok. Take a listen to what Pompeo had to say. These Chinese software companies doing business in the United States, whether it's TikTok or WeChat, uh, there are countless more, uh, as Peter Navarro said, uh, are feeding data directly to the Chinese Communist Party. Their national security apparatus could be their, their facial recognition pattern. It could be uh, information about their residents, their phone numbers, their friends, who they're connected to. Those are, those are the issues that President Trump's made clear we're going to take care of. These are true national security issues. 
U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo there. He says that action could uh, be coming in a matter of days. Jeff, back to you. Excellent, Sam. Thank you so much for that. While we're in the region, factory activity in China grew at its quickest pace in almost a decade in July. That from the private Kaishin survey. Uh, the PMI manufacturing number for July jumped to 52.8. That topped expectations. The data pointing to a recovery in manufacturing with lockdowns easing in China. The survey showed global demand remains weak, however, with new export orders remaining in contraction. Bit of a mixed call then on the Asian trade. As we look at these boards, the Japanese market up 2%, Shanghai up 1%, but both Hong Kong and Australia lagging. US lawmakers then clashing over jobless benefits as talk on a huge new relief package stall. We're going to talk some more about that when we come back. And also, for more on the latest flashpoint in US-China relations, check out the Squawk Box podcast. You'll be pleased you did. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Box, while U.S. lawmakers have failed to reach an agreement over a fresh relief package to help support the economy during the pandemic, White House officials and congressional Democrats are at odds over an extension to federal unemployment benefits, which expired on Friday. However, both sides are in agreement over a new round of direct cash payments to most Americans. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi called this weekend's talks quite productive, but she said several key differences still remain, including disagreement over a national health plan to combat the disease. Central to all of this is to defeat the coronavirus. And very central to our HEROES Act is a strategic plan to do that. If we have testing, tracing, treatment, distancing, mask wearing, sanitation and the rest, we can lower this. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows also played down hopes of a quick resolution to negotiations. We're still a long ways apart uh, and I don't want to suggest that uh, that a deal is imminent because it is not. Uh, but like with any deal, as you make progress, I think it's important to recognize that you're making progress. Uh, and not set an unrealistic expectation that uh, you know we're just a few items away because there's still substantial differences, but we did make good progress. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari has also suggested that a strict lockdown of up to six weeks could help the U.S. mount a recovery following the dismal second quarter GDP figures. Kashkari has told CBS Face the Nation that a failure to bring the virus under control could result in, quote, many more bankruptcies. He added that Congress could afford spending on an additional relief package as decreased consumer spending has led to higher savings state sign. Jeff. 
Karen, thank you very much indeed for that. Let's just get up and have a wander over to the wall. You know, something occurred to me while I was just sat down there. I was thinking we can really resolve this TikTok story very easily if we want to bring this whole issue to a head. Yeah, so the, the Americans are saying, let's let's kick TikTok out of the United States um, or it has to be sold to Microsoft. Well, the Chinese should retaliate. Maybe they could retaliate by kicking Facebook out of China. Oh, Hang on. Sorry, the director's just telling me Facebook isn't allowed in China anyway. Well, well, maybe they could just kick Google out of China. Oh, oh, hang on. The director says Google isn't allowed in China anyway. Well, you know what? They could do it with either YouTube or WhatsApp or maybe Tumblr or Twitter. Hang on a sec. What? None of those things are available in China. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there you go. So that's the end of my plan to bring uh, global peace uh, between China and the United States. Apparently, there are some uh, good reasons, it would seem, in market access terms for the Americans to get a little bit cross about TikTok and about China at the moment. It's not holding back the US indices, though, is it? That's interesting because we, after having a little bit of a wobble over the last couple of weeks around some of the momentum trade around the growth stocks, we're back in the game here. And wasn't it interesting? We had that slew of technology earnings out Thursday and they were really good. In fact, they justified a lot of the enthusiasm we've seen around owning these technology companies during the lockdown. And I think even some of the CEOs seem to be a little bit embarrassed about just how good their numbers were, while we've seen other cyclical stocks and sectors not doing so well uh, as a result of the COVID-19 lockdown. Let's move on here. What, what is the Treasury market telling us at this point? Because it all seems to be gung-ho with the equities. We're off for a V-shaped recovery here. And then you look at the Treasury market and you look at the level of these yields and these yields are telling you that the Treasury market just doesn't buy in to the message that we're getting out of the equity markets at this morning. These record low yields on Treasuries do not support the argument for the V-shaped recovery. And gold, well, let's not get into gold for the time being, but gold actually could be argued both ways. So we'll just set that aside. What about the dollar, though? Maybe the dollar has some informational value for the markets and will give us a better sense of whether we need to be concerned that a V-shaped recovery or something similar is not coming. Well, as you look at the dollar this morning, what we need is someone who actually studies this on a regular basis, who can give us a really good call on the direction of the greenback from here. Uh, Vasilius Giannakis is the head of FX strategy at Lombard ODA. Vasilius, good to see you this morning. Help us out here. Morning. Which way is the dollar going and why? Well, our view has been for quite some time now that uh, we were long overdue uh, a dollar correction lower. And I think this is a proper uh, full-blown uh, dollar depreciation cycle. And this is due to a large number of factors. First, there is the fundamental factor that the dollar actually uh, was at one point uh, back in the midst of the pandemic crisis had reached really um, uh, overvalued levels in, in excess of 20% uh, based on our estimates, which is quite considerable from a historic perspective. Now, at the same time, what's been playing out right now, uh, there are a number, two, three additional factors that are very, very important for the dollar trade. The first one is uh, what has happened with European politics. And 
Um, uh, you know, I cannot emphasize enough that this has been a, a significant shift in the perception of how uh, fiscal management uh, in uh, Europe is going to be implemented in the times of crisis. Right now, we're talking about risk sharing, which is something that it's definitely different, and it reduces to a large extent the redenomination risk. But at the same time, I think that the market has been sniffing this increase in the odds of a Joe Biden victory. Now, let me be very clear here. Joe Biden is not per se negatively for markets. It, it represents a return to conventional um, uh, policies. But at the same time, a number of policies that he's likely to enact, most importantly, the, the, the increase in the corporate uh, uh, tax rate is likely to employ a halting of uh, flows or even outflow, if you like, uh, from the US, which are likely to put pre- further pressure on the dollar. Vasilius, let me just stress test that scenario. Um, what would be the arguments for turning that on its head. If we have a second wave reassertion of COVID, if we have a renewed crisis, perhaps running into October, does money go to the dollar as a result of that? Or does the money run away from the dollar because we've obviously seen a lot of the current COVID risks in the United States? I think to a certain extent there is going to be uh, some return of the money going to the dollar, but I think it, it will likely be to a slightly lesser extent than uh, the one that we saw back in February in the beginning of March. And that's likely because, unfortunately, the U.S. administration, at least so far, has proved that um, uh, we're really in the midst of a large number of incoherent uh, policies and not that responsible policies. And at the same time, you know, um, if you look at the rest of the world, I think the rest of the world has really had uh, a good lesson. Uh, Right now, governments know more, citizens know more. Yes, there are pockets of increases, but nonetheless, uh, I think the response, the political response, especially from Europe, is going to be uh, faster and it's going to be uh, far more effective. Vasilius, I want to get into the levels we're now watching on some of these trades, because if you look at some of the market activity lately, when we rally, we rally very hard and some might say uh, aggressively. So we've witnessed that on equity markets. But also now if you look at foreign exchange drop on the dollar that has caused momentum in euro and also in sterling. Have we been uh, carried away too far to the upside and we now range bound or what are you expecting on these trades from here? Look, I think you're absolutely right, Karen. Uh, we've, uh, what's been happening currently, it has very little to do with idiosyncratic factors. It has a lot to do with the dollar factor. Now, within that, there are a number of currencies that I think they have reacted quite a lot. For example, I've been really surprised by cable, to be honest with you, given the fact that we have zero progress on, on Brexit negotiations, and it's like the market is fully complacent about the no-deal Brexit. Um, but at the same time, there are other currencies for which I think the rally has been justified. The euro, for example, uh, has rallied, uh, I think, yes, aggressively, but nonetheless, we're still way off from the 2017-2018 uh, highs of um, uh, 125. And as I said, we have an improvement in, in, in euro. Uh, dollar yen, I think, has further downside from here. Uh, we're going likely to see a lot of people that have bought into treasuries and other U.S. assets now likely to start hedging their exposure because the reduction, the compression in the negative carry. 
when it comes to risk, uh, risk currencies, you can see many of them have rallied with this move away from the dollar. And at this point, uh, the market is closely eyeing whether there's fresh stimulus coming through in the United States to the tune of $1 trillion, and the European recovery plan as well. If all these stimulus plans come together in lockstep, does that mean there is more momentum for the risk currencies rather than the defensive ones? Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, I mean, basically what you have, if you, if you look at what's happened since the uh, peak of the dollar, uh, in, in late March is that the cyclical currencies, Noki, Stoki, uh, Aussie, uh, Kiwi, they've really outperformed uh, pretty much everything, whereas typical reserve currencies, they have performed in line with the dollar decline. Uh, now, in, in this situation, some of these currencies remain undervalued, some other are very, very close to fair value. But there's nothing really, I understand that from a short-term perspective, the moves can be abrupt and they can, again, in the short term, mean revert somewhat. But if you look at the valuation, even of the currencies, the cyclical currencies that have actually rallied quite a lot, they're still not stretched on the upside. So as far as I'm concerned, if, if this move gains momentum, which appears that it has, there's further upside in these cyclically sensitive um, uh, currencies. Vasilius, just very briefly, can I ask you about sterling? What's the chance? <laughs> Well, it, it's, it's extremely challenging because our view has been that it's going to lag, largely because the no-deal Brexit premium are going to start rising and the market is going to take note of that. Uh, it appears that the market hasn't. Um, I think right now we're in, in, in a case where we're likely going to remain uh, where we are because the no-deal Brexit premium, the, the headwind, is going to offset the tailwind that is coming from, from the dollar downside. As long as we get a basic deal by the end of the year, I think that's going to be a time where we're going to see some further material support in cable. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.